Welcome to Kick Back with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Brought to you by www.mintmaster.com. Hey folks, Chris here. So, bit of a bit of a first for the podcast in the today um, I'm going to be having our first group interview. Well, not technically the first group interview because I did actually do the Chris Godelli uh, episode where we had a group of his students, but on this one, this is the first where we've had uh, a group of specifically booked guests to talk about one subject. And that one subject today is one of head contact, sparring, and under-18s, and just general head trauma, um, anything head contact-based within martial arts settings, which for most people typically is going to be sparring. Now, I did actually have this booked um, in advance, and it just so happened that the back end of last week... So about about a week ago now, um, it sort of blew up in the press, and subsequently there have been um, courses that have been released, uh, all very positive. Um, but it's it's seemingly sort of taken off this last week. Now, obviously, I've had Gary Turner on in the past, who is a huge advocate for uh, the removal of head contact for under 18s in a sparring uh, sparring scenario, and. You know, he's been on, he, you know, it was a good couple of years ago now, maybe even a few years ago. And I know he's incredibly passionate about it. And he's been on, you know, different TV shows and and radio shows this past week, um, putting forward his perspective on it, his point of view on it. And as a martial arts instructor and school owner myself, this is something that I have been looking at with interest since back when he was on the podcast the first time around, actually. Um, it's fair to say after the things that he discussed, uh, the research that he mentioned, that I put some changes, albeit mild ones, into my sparring. And I definitely, when I say my sparring, I mean sparring within my school. But I definitely started paying more attention to the levels of head contact, to to overall, to the levels of, of, of contact overall, really. Um, the, the frequency, how often we were doing things. Um... But this last couple of weeks, with new research that's come out now, um, Gary was actually part of a, a research paper that was released with a lot of in-depth information, lots of stuff to, you know, it's one of those ones where you, ha- you know you have to make time to sit and read it as a as a coach, martial arts instructor, practitioner. You know, if you're working with under 18s or you have any contact with under 18s, you really should take time to read it, e- even if you're not on board with this idea of removing head contact for under 18s you know you owe it to yourself in a professional capacity and for your students to you know read it to take it on board again whether you agree with it all or not just you know just so you're armed with the knowledge and so that you can understand where people are coming from on all of this and what i will actually do is i will link to that research paper in the show notes um, so you can go and check it out um but yeah rather than talk about this from my perspective anymore I think what we'll do is we'll jump straight into the interview now what I will say beforehand is that this along with being a first and it's the first time I've had you know three guests book specifically for one topic this is the also also the first time that we've done this via zoom now um, I will come back and touch on this a little bit after we've done the interview but 
I just wanted to say thank you to uh, Damien, who's actually one of the guests in this section, for very kindly helping to set up and host this Zoom meeting, because I haven't used Zoom since back in the COVID days, and I didn't realise how much of it had actually changed um, and the limitations that are on there. So he very kindly let us use his paid account to um, facilitate this interview so that we could get the recording. So big thanks to him, not only for being a guest on it, but also for allowing us to use his Zoom accounts to, as I say, facilitate the the uh, the whole interview. So thanks to him, and also thanks to all of the guests, uh, who I'll let them introduce themselves in a couple of minutes. So without any further ado, let's jump to the interview, and I'll speak to you afterwards. Brought to you by Martialytics. Easy to use, super powerful management software for your martial arts school. Hey everybody, so in a first for our podcast, we've got a group interview situation here. And I've never done this before, so it might be an absolute disaster. Not because of the people involved, but more because I've never done it before. Um, but first of all, we're going to introduce our guests today. So starting off, Claire, I'll let you go first. You tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are, all that good stuff. Yeah, cool. So my name's Claire King. I'm an instructor based in Bristol. Um, I've been doing martial arts since I was 12. Won't tell you how old I am now, um, but a very long time. Um, and um, <clears throat> I teach Tang Sudo and kickboxing in Bristol. I've got a full-time center. Um, I teach kids from as young as three and a half on, and then obviously adults as well. So I'm pretty full on seven days a week. Wow. Seven days a week. I'm, on, I'm part-time. I only do six. <laughs> I need to catch up. And Damo, God, everyone knows who you are. But go on, hey, anyway. yeah, my name is Damon Harfield. Um, I've been oh, credentials, crikey. I've been doing martial arts for 22 years, been teaching for 12. Um, I run not only my own full time um, locations, but I also uh, recruit, train up and launch clubs with other instructors um, who want to do this career full time. So we've just opened up a, a whole bunch of new clubs recently and hopefully many more towards the end of the year. Julio. And finishing up with Baz, the elusive Baz, who's been commenting on and interacting with my podcast now for many a year. We've finally got him down on the podcast. You're, the floor is yours, sir. Hi, I'm Baz Chilia. I run Bracknell Kickboxing Club in Bracknell, funnily enough. Um, so I'm not a full-time instructor, but uh, we have classes five days a week. Um, so I teach kickboxing, qigong, and I've got kids aged from, at the moment, seven uh, upwards, although we're starting uh, a four- to six-year-old for my sins in April. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And, um, yeah, I've been doing martial arts since the mid-'80s, which will really give away my age. Uh, but I've been teaching, I would suggest, for on and off about 32, 33 years. Wow, I didn't realise it was as long as that, dude. I, I just look look young, Herzl. <laughs> so um, the reason for this group podcast today, for those that don't know, is there's been, it's fair to say, a lot of media attention uh, this last sort of half week especially, um, but more so building over the last couple of years in head contacts within junior students. And it's something that I have 
um, spoken about on podcasts before, recently within the last week or so, and obviously in the past with uh, guests such as Gary Turner and, and other people coming on to share their experiences and their understanding on this subject. Um, now, it's fair to say that as the years have gone by more recently, it's been becoming more and more prevalent um, more so this last week, I'm sure some people have seen the, the press, especially focusing around sort of boxing and rugby, uh, with combat sports being loosely mentioned in there as well. Um, but it is something that people are starting to think about. And it's something that I've been considering for my club more heavily, um, again, more recently, this last week or so. And these people have all implemented in some form or another a change within their club to look after their kids. So I wanted to get them on just to talk a little bit about that, because I know there are going to be other instructors and school owners out there that maybe want to do this, but are unsure how to approach it. Um, now, what I don't want to do today is turn this into an argument for and against, because social media is taking care of that. There will be people that are adamant that this is a daft idea, and they always will be adamant that it's a daft idea. So it's not about that today. Um, it's not that their voices aren't relevant and shouldn't be heard. I just don't want this to be a forum for it today because it is fair to say that people have kind of done that. Um, so I thought what we'd start off with is a little bit about what you guys have all implemented. Now, I know Zoom can be a bit funny with people speaking, but I don't want it to be sort of a hands up, take turns situation. So we'll just let people talk and we'll see what happens. Hopefully it doesn't go too crazy. Um, but yeah, so if anybody wants to go first, you know, what what exactly is that you've implemented? We'll go around because I've not implemented anything yet, so I can't say anything. <laughs> Should we start uh, off, Damo? Let's start with you because yours is quite interesting. How you've done it? You've got it on, on multiple fronts, haven't you? Yeah. So we, you know, we we've got multiple locations, which means that the policies we've had to bring in was something that we needed to be able to do easily across all the clubs, which. And, you know, if you've ever tried to get, well, actually, Chris, you know, the, the, uh, the pros and cons of trying to get even just the three of us in the room together, let alone <laughs> organizing all the different yeah. instructors that are out there. But the short of it is, is that we, we first off introduced no headshots for anybody under the age of 18. So 17 years and younger, no headshots inspiring were allowed. Um, we went back and forth for a very short period of time about whether we should do 17, 16, 14, different age groups, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I basically came to the conclusion, there's, look, if you're 17 years and younger, in the eyes of the law, you are a minor, and therefore I'm responsible for you. When you're 18 years and above, it's a bit different. You're responsible for your own body. I'm more of the individual who's like, hey, don't go doing something stupid. Um, but if you do, well, you're an adult, so you live with the consequences. So I came at it from that angle and just blanket outright said, right, inspiring from here on forth, no head contact is allowed for under uh, 17 years and younger, under 18. Uh, was there a bit of pushback? Yeah, of course it was. Because like me, for the last goodness knows how many years, especially those kids who've been with us since they were like four or five and they're still training now, so they're in their teens, um, they were a little bit disappointed. Of course they were. But I simply just turned around to them and said two things. Number one, this is why we're doing it. Look, here's the evidence. It can be really dangerous, uh, long-term health. And you don't want to be like me when you're an adult with all the memory issues and God knows what that I've got. Um, so I just use myself as an example because anybody who knows me knows that whilst I apparently have my stuff together, I can be scatterbrained. 
ice. Oh my goodness me. Anyway, that aside. And the second thing was, look, these are the rules. So you will abide by them. And if you don't like them, I completely appreciate your point of view because I myself at your age would not appreciate being told I can't kick somebody in the head. Because let's face it, when we spar, what's the number one shot? It scores the most points. It gets all this, that, and the other. It's like, yeah. And you you, you get a decent headshot in sparring and the room, for some reason, starts to cheer it off. It's brilliant. Um, so I totally get why people were disappointed but after i explained the reason that we'd done it we got very little pushback from our martial arts community and we've got hundreds of members and the parents were actually the ones who were well on board with it and they were actually turning to their kids and they were like look wait until you're 18 you can have it back but in the meantime yeah it's a smart thing to do so the parents were actually on my side with this which is always helpful so in terms of friction like next to nothing and then we implemented it in our um tournament recently we held an open sparring tournament uh continuous sparring not point stop and uh we had that at the end of january and it was well attended i gotta say we had loads of support from other martial arts clubs baz being one of them it was really nice to see him uh with his group there as well uh, i'm not gonna lie baz, baz is, is training some really good people over there they were like the school to watch as far as my club were concerned but the rules stood and so anybody under 17 or excuse me under 18 years of age in their particular categories we removed headshots did we see some weirdo defenses yeah did it work no um so they'll go back and they'll learn from their mistakes and they'll come back and and they'll do it again but overall it was really nice because we had not just our club but other clubs we had lots of compliments from parents and instructors alike about the quality of martial arts that was on display. And I think a lot of that was because we had a lot of people who entered a tournament and I'm going into the pros and cons now, so I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet in about 20 seconds. We had a lot of people who entered the tournament for the first time. And we're talking blue belts, brown belts, and black belts who've never competed before under the age of 18. And I am convinced that, in fact, I asked some of them, I'm convinced that the reason for that is because there was no longer that fear of being smashed in the face or the head because it was off bounds. So it's actually encouraging these people who normally wouldn't compete to step foot in the arena for the first time, which was really encouraging. Mm -hmm. And so ends the podcast. Thank you. All. There we go. I'm not going to say there's zero friction. Yes. Some of the kids were disappointed, but in terms of what I was initially expecting, nah, like it, it was next to nothing. And I think cool. a lot of people just kind of like, okay, cool. That's how it is now. But then again, when it comes to when I set rules and regulations, um, everybody knows that unless you've got really good evidence, you're not changing my mind. And so the rules and regulations stick. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. So essentially the takeaway from that is the way that you sold it to your students was you do this so that you're not like me. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that can be really strong, dude. <laughs> you spend any time with me and you'll be well, like, you know what? That's a good thing. Don't Don't be like him. I would say you're coming across as very knowledgeable and articulated, sir, uh, there. So. That's because I'm sat down and I'm caffeinated right now. We're all good. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to meet the, the, the decaffeinated demo. It's not a, not a pleasant place, is it? Not really. Cool. All right, Claire, so over to you. If He's uh, probably covered everything that everyone's going to say there in that one reply, but is there anything that you wanted to add in your specific cases to, you know, um, what exactly you've implemented and any yeah. other information? Okay, so we started last year I, after oh, I'd wow. heard Gary Turner's kind of talks about um, what he his paper that he was writing. And then obviously we had the rugby 
sort of lawsuits sort of coming around. And um, so we started off with no headshots for under 10s um just to sort of see i had the parents in so it was no headshots for under 10s and everyone else it was their choice um so they could choose whether they wanted to do headshots so i'd explain to the parents what the what the thinking was behind it parents were all on board no i didn't have any anybody turn around and say well no that's not fair and i suppose it was because we were saying under 10s at the time um, we've now implemented it to under 18s, no headshots um, and adults. Again, it's that choice. Um, I haven't got a, a document yet for them to fill out and sign to say they're happy to do headshots. Um, but that is something that's in in the process. So mm -hmm. we will be looking at that just so they can say that actually they've read the risks and they've signed to say that yeah. they're happy to do that. But we're still going to kick stick to under 18s, no head contact. Um, we use shoulders, so they their shoulder target. And to be fair, I mean, we'll probably go into this in a minute. The the kids that didn't like sparring are actually enjoying sparring now. Same reason as Damo said that, you know, I think they're not worried about getting punched in the head. As a little bit of background to it, um, I think when I started hearing all the information um, and then Ollie, obviously he did, he teaches, he did full contact kickboxing for years. Um, he's, he's got memory issues. Um, he's got issues. He's got actually three patches of brain damage on his, on his, it, it was found during wow. MRI. Um, and they've turned around and said that it was in, it was in line with almost like those mini strokes you get. It could have been down. When Ollie was a lot younger, he dabbled in drugs quite heavily. So we don't know whether it's connected. We don't know whether it's connected to obviously past misspent youth or is kickboxing. But he does struggle now with, with memory, um, even down to the fact he could be counting in class and forget what number he's just counted. So... And then my boys also wanted, well, uh, my youngest was into boxing. And then I'm looking at it going, I really don't want you to do this anymore. I don't want those headshots. I don't want that risk. Um, my granddad had Alzheimer's, well, he, he passed away from Alzheimer's. I saw the other side of it. And I'm like, I don't want that for people. I don't want, I don't want that on my conscience to turn around and go, this was the risk. And I know we didn't know about it years ago, but now we kind of know. I'm like, do you know what? We need to kind of take responsibility for what we do. Everyone trusts us. They bring their kids into us. They trust us. And, you know, they they hope that we're doing the best by their children. And that was one of the reasons why. And it's just, yeah, that was my my thinking behind it and why I've done what I've done, really. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. I mean, you know, for a little bit from my side as well, you know, I've recently um, been diagnosed with a, well, I didn't need diagnosed and I know I can't hear stuff, but officially diagnosed with a, with a hearing loss. And uh, they, you know, the, the specialist has said, you know, uh, he, first of all, he, he quizzed it and said, you know, do you spend a lot of time uh, around live noises? And I said, well, I work with children. Does that qualify? And he went, not quite, no. Um, I said, well, no then. And he said, well, this is more than likely head trauma induced um, deafness then um at which point i kind of thought wow um okay and i'm not active as a as a as a fighter competitor in that respect and haven't been for a long time uh, dabbled with it as a kid but i'm i'm essentially just a product of uh class environment 
you know um i spar in classes and i still do now um and i always have and i've always enjoyed it but there has there have been those times where i've taken a smack and um you all right mate yeah yeah i'm fine and i'm seeing three of everybody and this side's black and this side I can just about see, you know, I remember those instances and you kind of go, yeah, whatever, you know, just come on, crack on, let's get back to it. Uh, and looking back on it now, you know, they, that wasn't the smartest approach. Um, and to know now that I have a high frequency hearing loss as a result of being smacked around the head a few too many times. Now, can I say it's different from being in class? Not really, because obviously I've done other higher risk activities as well, where I've thrown myself at the floor occasionally head first intentionally sometimes unintentionally other times but you know they are all blow to the head um yeah. and and they are saying look you know this is more than likely due to getting cracked around the head for fair few too many times so um it is yeah it's all worth considering it's also worth noting as well i just i wanted to mention this before i carried on that everybody's answers are here are correct for them because there is no right and wrong answer with any of this because nobody's actually stood up and said, hey, this is what you need to do. So everybody's putting these policies in place with the best of intentions. So there isn't anybody listening and thinking, well, that's not right. Well, there isn't a right and there isn't a wrong. We're all being left to sort of muddle through this ourselves, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this today. Um, anyway, Baz, go on. I'll let you have a chat because you've got a, a long history in competition as well and some stories yeah. to go with it. Well, absolutely. I mean... I, I, I was competing for my teens and I've done full contact, light contact, semi-contact, uh, WT or WTF as was. Um, so I've taken blows to the head. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, back in the eighties, we, we, we didn't have head guards. We, you know, sometimes even had pads, you know, you just got on with it. Um, but Obviously, yeah, so it came to, it, rather like Claire, it was Gary Turner's appearance on your podcast here. How long ago was that? 18 months? Two yeah, years? Yeah, it was about two years ago. Um, and obviously I knew, the, we all know, know the dangers of getting hit in the head. We, we, we've, we've all heard of boxers and, and uh, my father-in-law, you know, he was a, he was a, he was a boxer and, and he ended up with Parkinson's. And I, I don't think they can actually, um, there is a direct link um, but they think it's quite possible. And, and you know, Gary Turner, who, I, who I've known from old as well, so, you know, when you hear it from a competitor, that I think that's the other thing that hit, uh, hit me with Gary. He was a full-contact competitor. He loves martial arts, and he's there going, hang on a second, look, there's this study, and there's the science behind it. You kind of have to listen. It's not like somebody that's never done it before and doesn't understand, okay, he understands what it's like. And there was him saying, you know, uh, about head trauma and brain injury, and it was just a, a light bulb moment for me. I, there I was teaching a class, and I've got kids, and, and, and they're getting hit in the head, and I thought, no. I said, I, regardless of what association I'm with or anything like that, in my class, I'm going to stop um, head contact for under-18s. Um, that didn't get any kickback for me. Um, the only little bit of disappointment were the teenagers. So I've got, um, at the moment, uh, a couple of teenagers, I would say two or three, that are competing on the circuit. One's a British champion. He was at your um, uh, tournament uh, demo the other, the other week, Billy. Um, and he, he dealt with, the, you know, with no head contact. He, he did really well, but he did say to me, mm. much prefer 
uh, been allowed to use head contacts. And so as competitions go, I thought, well, what am I going to do for my kids? Because, you know, I can't put them into competitions if they're going to get smacked around the head if I'm implementing this rule. So I did a fight night. Uh, just a, just a, a, our own club. I've got three kids' classes, and they all sort of like represented their class. I matched them up, and um, it was a huge success. The kids loved it. Um, the parents enjoyed it. We had no injuries, um, and they're asking for more. And then obviously, uh, Damo came out with his competition. I'll say, I'll have some of that. And we went along, and, and they thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so for me, I, I think you're right. You hit the nail on the head there, Chris. Um, you know, there's very little guidance coming down. That's, and do you know what? That's not a criticism of associations because it's difficult at the moment. You know, it's very difficult. Um, and, and there's a lot of viewpoints. But my own personal responsibility, I don't think I could look a parent in the eye later on down the, down the years when they've got a permanent brain injury if I haven't taken those steps to reduce that. I think the other thing that I've done, it's not just the kids, it's the adults. Um, um, Gary talks about, Gary Ter talks about informed consent. I think Claire touched on it there as well. Um, I let the, the, the adults know. Um, we have separate squad training for those that are competitors and want to spar. They are informed. Um, and we are going to go down those lines of getting them to sign that they've read uh, these things. But um, one thing that I do look at is if uh, a competitor has been in a competition on the Sunday, they do no contact whatsoever, no sparring until at least a week after. If there's any headaches or any severe head blows, they do not even train for a week. And I've, I've, I've implemented this um, for a good year or two since, since that. Because um, at the end of the day, it, it, it's safety, safety first. Um, like I said, other instructors can do what they like. I've seen uh, young kids go into full contact and then the next week they're doing light contact at another competition. It, for me, it doesn't, doesn't fit well. Um, and um, so going forward... Um, your Billy's of this world and I've got another lad, Kai um, I'm going to have to have a strong chat with their parents um, they started on this on this sort of like uh, path they are British champions uh, silver medalists and um, I think it will be quite difficult for them not to be on that circuit but certainly no further kids are going um going any further in, into that field until they're old enough to give that consent themselves. Yeah. Um, now, I, some of you have already discussed some of the pushbacks that you've come across. Um, and just to keep things fair and balanced, um, not in any means to criticise anything that anybody's done or each other, but I did want to touch a little bit on some of the negatives because I think it's fair that, you know, I don't want everyone to listen to this and then just go, oh, this is brilliant. These people are all saying it's amazing. Let's all just do it. There are going to be, with any change, anything at this level anyway, because it's, it's fundamentally changing all of our sports or martial arts. It doesn't matter what, what we do, unless you're already doing a non-contact system or you have expressly never had any head contact. If you're taking it out, it it, it changes everything. 
right from the yep. day one when a student first comes in your approach to everything changes so i just wondered if anybody has experienced any negatives i know that obviously as you mentioned and demo touched on it as well a little bit about how it changed the sport from a sparring perspective um mm -hmm. both for the fighter and for the spectators as well but i just wondered if anybody has any others that they'd like to highlight or share with people just so that people can be aware so they can maybe put strategies in place most of the kickback that i've got was when i put the tournament on it was actually from um other clubs so obviously as was an open tournament uh it's the first time we've done it in like forever um and the the biggest kickback was from i'm not going to mention names because it's not very professional but it's from other clubs saying that it would, it would never work you know it's going to sully this that, and the other i'm like okay cool that's fine you do you i'm not here to criticize this is just how we do it um and one of the criticisms that i keep seeing which is completely legit is if we're only allowing the kids to strike the body they're only going to defend the body and we know that and I hate using this term, but in reality, um, you know, you've got to defend the head as well. Of course you do. It's really important. Um, and so my biggest concern initially was if we're teaching it this way, does that mean that my students are going to naturally drop their guards to their bodies rather than raising their guards to protect their heads as well as their body? And so far, so good. The way that we've addressed that is with pad work in class. So we'll do, you know, we'll do boxing mitt work and we'll still swing for the head, but we telegraph our shots so that the kids understand that, no, we're not going to smack them in the head. Um, but at the same time, they also understand the importance of keeping their guard up because there is something coming towards the head. And so far, I mean, it's early days, but so far that has sort of course corrected this guard naturally dropping when people are sparring. And we did see a few weird guards at the tournament, but it didn't serve <laughs> them. They were trying to just cover up their body because they knew that they couldn't get hit. But what that did was it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, if you didn't see Baz was, was mimicking one of the guards, but what it did was it actually weakened their position so that when they got hit in the body, they ended up stumbling back because you got to have that higher guard in order to support your structure. And so actually overall, we've not seen what I myself was expecting, which was dangerously low guards and poor defenses. Um, I'm not going to say that it's improved it. That's ridiculous. Training improves that, but, we haven't seen the opposite either. And that's probably the biggest criticism that I see so far. Okay. Interesting. God, that's what you're going to say. I think, I think, yeah, uh, obviously I was there. What, what Damo's saying is quite right. In class, yeah, you have to keep going on about guard. Um, we're not a, a club that just focuses on competition sparring. Only a small uh, amount of them do. Um, but you do have to keep telling them about their guard and their guard. And I suppose the way the way I kind of view this is that um, your traditional karateka, all right, your, your kyokushin karate man or woman, okay, um, they haven't allowed punches to the face for like, well, forever, as long as I've been in martial arts. Um, and they do keep their guard up, obviously, because of kicks to the head. But is that real? Is that re is that realistic? This real term. But would you would you not rate a Chukushin fighter in a in a real? Absolutely, I'm absolutely. So because um, there's some of the most brutal um, sparring you'll see on the circuit. It's full contact and it's bone on bone. I think now they have some sort of 
fist covering. So you do have to, and I have seen guards come down. I, 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 I can't lie, but you do have to drill it. Now, I had discussions, I'm not going to name the person, with, with I would say he's quite a high-profile martial artist on the, on the circuit, and he knew I was coming on this um, podcast. He said, but I want you to address the balance a little bit. And I'm glad you asked that, Chris. Um, you know, have you had a bit of kickback? Because some of the comments are very valid. Um, so there is the, the training for reality that, that he mentioned. But he also felt that, um, that semi-contact and light contact, you're further reducing the risk uh, rather than your full contact um, fighters. Um, now, I understand that in, in Gary's research, the risk isn't greatly reduced. Now, I'm wondering whether there needs to be a little bit more of that. But um, I think that that is uh, something that I have had kickback from. So they're saying, well, if you're not doing full contact, it's just touch contact. But all of you here will know that in competition, it doesn't end up in touch contact at all. I've been injured more in semi-contact than I ever did in full contact, if I'm to be honest with you. Um, but um, I do think that, that that we have to get into the mindset that like um, judo isn't like reality because there's no punches. Like Jokushin is isn't reality because you know there's no punches to the face. Let's not even go down the road of WT Taekwondo. It's a massive sport. Whatever we think about it, you are not going to throw an axe kick in reality when you're chest to chest with somebody like they do. It is a sport. It is a game. And I think it's far more important that we get more people into it for health reasons and for enjoyment and for business reasons as well. I mean, you know, you are full-time instructors. You know, if you means that more people are engaged, more people uh, are, are enjoying martial arts, why not? You know, it's better for you as well. And I just think um, the overall thing is safety. You know, we know now the, 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 that science is telling us that it's dangerous, especially for young brains, young, young people. So why wouldn't we? There we are trying to better people and, and um, make them you know, healthier, but then we're letting people smack them in the head. It, it, for me, it, 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 I was going to say no-brainer, but that's really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you think once upon a time, the world thought smoking was healthy and wearing yeah. seat, not wearing a seatbelt in a car was a sensible lifestyle choice. And now we know otherwise, and we don't question either of those things. You know, it could be that for future generations and people down the line, they are thankful that people like yourselves have said, hey, you know, we recognize this problem early on and we made a change. You know, you'd like to think that it's maybe as much as I understand there's going to be people here now screaming, going, you idiot, you can't say that. But it may be when this is implemented as law, you know, people adopting this early on, you have potentially prevented a young life from being sent down a completely different path um the, you know. the way that i view it is kind of similar in the sense that a long time ago you used to have these really uh, old masters and uh, and and older martial artists whose hips were knackered and backs were broken and everything was falling apart because they didn't understand <laughs> baz is putting his hand up because <laughs> because back in the day uh, and i hate that term uh, although it does make me sound younger than I am. But back in the day, not a lot of emphasis was put on proper warming, proper stretching and safeguarding the body. Right. 
So as far yeah. as I'm concerned, the way that I see it is that this is just kind of the same thing. It's like, unfortunately, it's way too long for me. Like the brain damage is done, whatever is there. And so I'll deal with that when I'm older and I'm dealing with it now. But um, it means that the next generation of martial artists who are coming through, A, they don't have to worry about their hips and their backs because we're warming and stretching properly. And B, they don't have to worry about brain damage because finally um, there's some evidence coming out that certain things that are common practice just aren't really all that healthy. And so it's a paradigm shift. And I kind of see it in the same sense as, you know, back in the day, oh, you don't want to warm up. When would you have the time to warm up in a street fight? It's like, dude, I'm not training for a street fight. And <laughs> I've got an hours or two hours class in front of me that I need to protect my body for. A street fight is 30 seconds max. So it's it's a whole different thing. And so this is kind of my view upon it in the sense that back then, there was a paradigm shift. You warm and you stretch properly. It's the same thing now. We're seeing it and we're in the very early days. So this, of course, there's going to be kickback. And I don't think that, or excuse me, I misspoke. I think that if I had not read the research, I'd be one of those going, well, it never hurt me. So let's crack on, dude. Yes. Uh, not really yeah, taking absolutely. stock of where I am at mentally. Um, so that's that's kind of where I see that we're at the minute in terms of it's just another shift that it's going to happen. It's just at the moment, it's not policy. And so we're trying to figure out that policy as we go. Yeah, it's the same, like, well, it's connected in certain respects, ironically. You know, you could let 100 people go out on a bike right now with no helmet on. 99 of them would probably come back and there'd be one that'd fall off and fracture their skull. And, does you know, do we not change it for everybody? Because 99 were okay, or do we change it for everybody because of that one? Yeah. Of course you change it for that one, don't you? Because you multiply that across millions of people, yeah. and it's, it's a lot of people. Um, I mean, I, I, to say that I'm not, that I'm comfortable with all this, 100%, would be, I'd be lying, I'm to be honest. Because there are a lot of good people out there, uh, a lot of good people I care about as well, who don't agree that, that what we're doing is... It's the right way. And I've even had people say, if that happens to martial arts, I think that's the day I leave. And and um, I think there are people with a lot of experience that their reasons are very valid. And, and I think uh, Chris hit the nail on the head. Look, just because they do that and that's their club or that's their – so that's, that's up to them. Um, but I think that um, – the question I was asked, and, 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 and I'll, I'll probably pose it here now, if you had your time again, would you change the way that you trained? And you're wow. all looking and smiling. <laughs> and that's the question I was asked, right? Okay. Now, before you quote, before you answer that, I've become the host now. Sorry, Chris. But before no, go be, you go for it. Before before you answer that, okay. The other day, and and even now, when Claire said that Ollie. Uh, for those who don't know, Ollie's the other instructor, your, your husband, right, Claire? Yeah. Okay. Forgets what number he's counting in class. I don't know if you saw me. I was a bit, oh, I do that. Blimey. I do that. And then the other day, um, I was trying to remember a, a very significant competition, a big competition I won. And I can't remember the world champion I beat in the final. I can't remember the, the two fights beforehand. Apparently, I had three fights that day. I can't remember going on the podium. I've got the belt, and I know I did it. The pictures are there. I can't remember a thing. Now, is that because I'm a bit older? 
Is that because I've had done so much stuff? But when I was asked, would you change a thing? I couldn't say hand on the heart I would. And that's the, and, and, so I'm not sure. It's, so I can't sit here and, and I know none of us are doing this. I can't sit here and say, so and so down the road's not doing that. What a muppet. I couldn't do that. But my own personal responsibility, I feel I've, I've got to do it. I think one way of looking at that is there are, you know, if, if I was allowed, and this is not, I don't want to come across as reckless when I say this because I don't do this, but if there were no speed limits anywhere, would I drive really fast everywhere? More than likely. Would it be safe to do that? No, it wouldn't. And would I probably know it's not safe to do that? Yeah, I know it's not safe to do that, but I like driving. So you could look at it like that, really. You know, sometimes we need to put things in place to save us from ourselves. You know, and if the world was just, you know, do as you please, as you want, when you want, however you want, there's no laws. We'll just trust you all to be sensible. Yeah. Imagine what a mess the place would be. And I get it. And if I had the chance to go back and change the way I trained and who I trained with and the way I trained, would I change it? No, I wouldn't. But that doesn't make that the right decision. <laughs> it does not, you know, no. because I, you know, I need to be safe for myself on more than one occasion for multiple things. And, um, you know, would I now sitting here at 44, I might say no, but, you know, sitting here at hopefully 74 or 84, I might be saying a different thing, you know? Um, True. I think that's the important thing to consider, you know, and it's a multifaceted thing. It's not a straight answer. But for me, if I can keep one child safe, it's I haven't again, and I'm coming at this from a person I've not implemented any of these policies yet. I'm in the process of I've informed the parents that changes are coming, but I've not announced anything yet. Um, which is why I wanted you guys to come on just to share your think, sides of things. I think it's also about and, and you've, you've touched upon it. It's about when you ask us that question. Like if you ask all four of us that question right now, right now, whatever mm-hmm. issues we've got are manageable. That's the thing. We yeah, are my wife wouldn't us- agree with that. She wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't classify me as manageable. We're, we're, we're all at a stage where, apart from Chris, uh, everything that <laughs> yeah, everything at the moment is manageable. Okay, I so am a condition. You- <laughs> Chris is no condition. but it's again like you said you ask us later on down the line when we're in our maybe 70s 80s and those conditions are far worse and no longer manageable ask us then because that's when it's going to really start to hurt uh, and some of us i mean some of us have spoken about it is like a, a, some people that we know aren't even as fortunate as to have manageable conditions right now so yeah, ask them yeah. don't ask us because even though we've got our quirks and we've all got our damage everything that we four are experiencing we can do um ask me again when i can't deal with the trauma anymore ask me when i'm shaking mm. in the 70s because of brain damage ask me then mm. yeah all fair very fair very fair comments. Uh, Claire, did, just to you know, cross over to you, did, were there any sort of negatives or any pushbacks that you noticed at all? Um, or we can uh, put this one to bed and move on if not. No, not, not really. The only thing that I think that um, we had from the parents were, or we've brought, we brought head guards, um, you know, what are we going to do with the head guards? And we've still said, well, they still wear the head guards, they still wear the gum shields, because while the transition's happening anyway, there's always going to be that risk. And also as well, if they fall over, you know what it's like when you're teaching kids, half of them spend the time on the floor anyway. 
Um, so they still wear the gum shields, they still wear their head guards. Whether later on down the line, we might turn around and say, because we've got a matted floor, they don't need to have head guards um, because they're not having that head contact. I don't know. But at the moment, because the parents have purchased the sparring kit, mm. That's what we're, you know, that was one question that we were asked. Um, I did have one parent turn around and say, but it's my choice. Their, their children are only 10 and uh, ten and nine. Um, it's my choice whether they have head guards, uh, whether they have headshots. And I said, yeah, I get that. But it's also my gym. Um, and I've read the research. You haven't read the research yet. And, you know, and I don't, that's why I've, exactly. <laughs> Get them put in place. Mind yeah. you, my rules. Exactly. Like no, yeah. I mean, the thing, I get that. I, I've had that thought as well about, you know, they've got all the kit, um, they've, they've, they've you know, bought the head guard, the gum shield and everything, blah, blah, blah. But again, coming back to the hot, the, the the bicycle analogy, you know, what do we do when we go, go to the local bike shop? When we get our kids their first bike, you get them every piece of padding known to man to put on them. And they've got elbow pads and wrist guards and head guard, uh, helmets and everything. I mean, we don't put that on them so that every time they go out on the bike, they can fall off. It's there just yeah. in case. It's there just in case, you know, same as a seatbelt in a car. It's there just in case. Um, so that point where I'm, especially, you know, what I'm going to say to them is, look, we're taking head contact out, but that doesn't mean it won't happen because people are going to work on autopilot for so long that there's a possibility it's there. And, you know, I know that there's conflicting evidence as to whether head guards potentially make it worse i know obviously that they help with regards to bruising and cuts and things like that um but for now i am going to keep them there because i don't need an extra argument i don't need a an extra finger point and they've all got them so they can keep them because they're certainly not going to make it worse so um yeah it just makes sense i think as well the insurance companies are on board with the whole head guard thing because Again, talking to other people, I said, okay, well, the issue with headguards, you know, there is a, there's a study about headguards making it worse. Oh, yeah, but the insurance companies are telling us we still need to, to use them. So um, that's, again. I think that is, that is an area that's going to change, I think, yeah. soon. I think that the, the, one of the problems with this whole situation as well, just so people haven't got their heads in the sand to it, is, whether you agree with all of this or not, whether you think it's nonsense or not, it's wise to start putting policies, procedures, training in place now. Put it in your filing cabinet and have it there because if we're all taking note of this, so are the underwriters in the insurance companies. They're all yeah. going to be looking at this going, hang on a minute, what's this risk that they're all of a sudden saying that there is that no one's ever mentioned this to us before? So is it now more risky is it less risky is it you know um and then we all know anytime you make any changes to anything within insurance it only does one thing you know you know you put that sticker in your back window in your car and all of a sudden you've got to pay extra to have it added in you know on your policy and whatnot so i just think it'd be wise of everybody uh, with it for it against it whatever to just look at what policies and procedures you've got in place and just make sure they protect you your students everybody involved um if nothing if nothing else you know because that has a knock-on effect to the wider community as well it's all well and good going oh it's nonsense yeah we've always done it like this since 1970 or whatever and it's never been a problem until it is a problem and then that ripple goes through everybody else so it's mm. not just about 
you know, you, this is a selfish approach to be like that. You've got to think of everybody else as well, you know? Um, anyway, let's do some positives. What good things, other than not having kids getting smacked around the head, which is obviously a positive. Because for me, from my side, I can see this being a massive inclusivity thing because you're going to have more people now that can participate safer, not only because of the physical changes, but also emotionally speaking as well. Um, the kids that may well have struggled to have the attention to be able to focus on those multiple points of contact, both defensively and offensively. So, yeah, what sort of positives are, are, are people seeing? Well, for me, I'm going to make my positive very personal. Um, I entered my daughter into the Open Tournament. She's literally just turned nine. She was eight at the time. And it was wonderful to see her compete. I know that she would not have competed if she'd had to walk onto that arena, into that area, already in front of everybody, bearing in mind she's eight years old, and that was daunting enough, uh, with the understanding that she may get kicked and punched in the head because daddy allowed it. Um, and I'm not entirely sure with or without the research that I would want to, and I'm not overprotective of my kids because, well, I speak to my wife about both my kids. And um, I'm, I'm still not sure I would have wanted to, to put my children into that tournament if they were going to get, you know, smashed in the face and the head um, because it's not something that I, as a father, quite frankly, want to watch. But also we had more people enter that tournament than before from our own personal club because of the lack of headshots like we have people who are high ranking who have never entered a tournament before because of that fear who are still under the age of 18 and they did it for the first time ever because they understood that the worst that's really going to happen is that they're going to get lumped in the arm or something um so that was brilliant um and in terms of in class we've got a lot more people engaging with sparring now so sparring, I, I've always said to my students, is like you kind of you're kind of in one camp or the other. You like your forms and your techniques, or you like your sparring. Like there's very little overlap. There is some, of course, um, but now even the people who didn't really like sparring, they're like, yeah, this is fine. This is cool. I can do this. So the way that I see it is, we develop their sparring skills, ability, and reduce the fear of it before they're 18, so that when they reach 18, they're not really frightened of sparring anymore. Which is introducing a new element of it rather than you know the whole flipping thing. Um, so it's it's just a bit more staggered rather than the not at all. Um, and from a business standpoint because I always like to come in from a business standpoint. Yeah, we're more inclusive now. We can add more members, if you so wish. We can be more inclusive. Um, and not only that, but if you, if, you, if you track your statistics, you'll realize that most students leave at one of three points. As a really early belt, because they've decided it's not really for them and they quit really early on. Um, at the end end in in commas when they're a black belt oh, i've got my black belt i'm gonna go try something else or right in the middle which is usually where a lot of organizations and clubs introduce sparring as part of the curriculum and they're like either the parents don't want to buy the sparring gear which means they're not really fully on board with it or the kids are terrified of it and so they're going to go find a new sport so and we've we've seen none of that like We've just done a grading. We've got a whole bunch of new green belts, which is where we introduce sparring as part of the gradable curriculum. Um, and it's been wonderful because we've removed the headshots. Like we haven't had a single member leave because of sparring. And normally we get easily one or two. So yeah, there's a whole bunch for you. Sorry, I've rambled a bit. No, no, that's cool. I mean, 
arguably you could say let's all, let's say that everybody every single school implemented the same policy today and then we went 10 years down the line so all the eight-year-olds now turn 18 no yeah 10 years i said that didn't I? my maths is terrible probably result getting hit in the head um <laughs> so, <laughs> 10 years from now they all turn 18 and they're all engaged with martial arts still and they love sparring they then go into competition you know with the myriad of different rules and different uh, organizations the argument could be made that this could potentially make our sport even bigger Huge. because more people are engaging with sparring because they're not terrified and there's the there's you know there, there's i actually read a policy today it was a bmaba's policy and one thing that they've touched on is like a staggered like four tier approach to implementing start with body shots keeping it light, go to full contact body shots, go to head contacts, light. And it, it staggers with um, age ability and, and, and what, you know, however the instructor sees fit. And I just thought, you know, with that sort of thing in place, it could potentially just not knock this whole, and I, and I get it. Look, I, don't get me wrong. I love going to tournaments and, and watching and, and standing there going, wow, look at this skill. You know, it's great. Not always at all tournaments, not the same, but it is, it is great to watch, but, Imagine that on a much bigger scale with more people involved and more people doing it. Um, I also think it's a positive. Oh, big time. I think it depends also on how the instructor packages things. So because of my background and what I do is with this tournament, we've got the teens and it is the teens because teens don't like being babied. And I totally get that because I was one of them myself. If I felt like I was being babied, I was out. I'm done. Is that you treat me like an adult, even though I'm not an adult. Um, but it gave me something that I could go to these teenagers and go, guys, watch the adults. And if they loved it, I'm like, when you're 18, that's what you're going to be doing. And so you can package it in such a way that you build excitement rather than having to deal with disappointment. A lot of it is to do with the approach of the individual instructor. And so now what I've got from a retention standpoint is a whole bunch of teenagers who are super excited about continuing their training into 18 and beyond because they know that that's when all of the sparring experience comes along. Whereas again, if you, you know, you look at your statistics, the likelihood is, is that a, a lot of the time that you lose some of your members is when they become teenagers because it gets quote unquote boring and uncool. Um, and so it's like, Whoa, you get to the teen years, you're so close to doing like full on contact sparring and they get to see it, and they get reinvigorated and excited again. And so I don't really see any drawbacks when it comes to recruitment and retention, quite frankly. Awesome. Anybody else? Positives? Anything to share? You sell it to um, me so I can put the policies in place tonight. <laughs> yeah. So I suppose, like, for me, going back to the teenage, I mean, we've got quite a lot of teenage girls that do the kickboxing, um, and they hated sparring. If, as soon as you turn around and say, get your sparring kit on, they're like, ugh. But as soon as you we took out the headshots, well, as soon as we made it a choice for them, all of them were choosing not to have headshots. And now they don't complain and they quite enjoy it, you know, and and a lot of them don't want to compete anyway, but they know they need to do it for their syllabus stuff. So but yeah, and they're enjoying it also with the adults because we've taken out the we give the adults the choice. Um obviously informed consent we've got a few that obviously work in places where they can't go in with the risk of black eyes and things like that so by them taking that choice it's then up to them so I haven't got to worry that so-and-so's accidentally been punched in the face and got a black eye and then he's got going to work the next day so it's their choice then so I think even the adults are it's not we're not saying to them you have to do it 
they're sort of saying, I don't want to, I don't want to do headshots today. And it might be that they've got a big meeting coming up and one week they don't want to do headshots, but we tell them they have to communicate with their partner, whether they want headshots each time they move around or whatever. Um, and, and that has helped as well. They, they sort of are enjoying the sparring better because we did have at one stage sort of them saying, oh, I can't spar today because I've got a meeting or things like that. So it kind of takes that risk out for them as well, gives them their choice as well. Yeah, I really like that. That's a really cool one. You know, I've yeah, I've got a number of people in my club that um they are in positions where they, you know, they're having to stand in front of people and speak. They don't want to have the nose bent sideways, yeah. you know, and a tooth missing and the, you know, and yeah, they, they they don't want that. So they actively avoid the sessions that they know are going to include sparring for that reason. Not necessarily because they're scared of it, but because they're mindful of their the a job they you know the the thing that they've got to do day to day yeah. and that's fair it's it's not right to turn around and go well don't do it then do something else you get this approach it's like well not really we should be able to you know if we're able to 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 manage students with additional needs and make adjustments for them we should be able to make adjustments for people that don't want to get smacked in the face other than turning around and going well the only adjustment is clear off you know, it's not really, you know, it should be a little bit more open. And I suppose with research like this that's coming out, it it almost gives us ammo. It gives us the, uh, a thing to go, okay, actually, no, yeah, I can now say this. And I don't have to feel like I've been soft. You know, I don't have to feel like I'm babying people. I can go, yeah, actually, this research, that makes sense. I've got to give you the choice. Let me play devil's advocate for a minute. Do we feel that by implementing policies like this, we are, and this is often the question whenever changes are made, we're reducing the quality of black belts that we're producing? I think that that ship sailed a long time ago, to be honest. (laughs) Glad somebody said it. Don't get me started on black belt gradings. Can, worms, everywhere. I, I don't know, you know, because... One of the positives that I've seen is that because my big issue when this all broke with Gary Turner was I, I got on Messenger as you do and said, Gary, Gary, so how are we going to train the adult fighters, okay, without sort of them getting shots to the head? And he gave me a few exercises and educated me as to what uh, pro boxers are doing. And one of those things was a half speed sparring. Um, where you, um, well, you spar half speed, <laughs> basically. Um, so what happens is you very rarely connect with a technique. But what you do do is that you, you're able to, to offload that technique and the other person has got time to block it. Okay, now hear me out here. But what it does is that you, you, you're able to perform techniques without fear of getting hit. So it's not snatched. It's not swung. It's there's not the um, uh, that panic when you're when you're right in close that there's a, a big fray of swinging punches. And I feel that the quality of fighter, we're talking competition level here, has gone up. And the other thing that I try and do is that if I do have uh, an under eighteen fighter that's going to competition or any adult fighter, I try and put them with one of my most experienced fighters where they're of the mind and, and are able to, if their if they're guard's down, they're just able to touch their glove on their head guard and go, you know, guard, like that. So, uh, no, I don't. I, I think that, that 
Um, I don't think it necessarily does. If if you if you if you get the right um, sort of training techniques, the other thing is it's really interesting about when you implement sparring because of the no head contact rule. And I did this very much just just last night in class. I had one of my first grades and a white belt, okay, with their ten ounce gloves, doing body boxing. Okay, so they've been coming for about two or three months now. They're just about through their grading the white belt, to be fair. So, and they're allowed to connect with the shoulder, allowed to connect with the body. They are, what, 12 and 13? This kid loved it. He absolutely loved it. It was safe. So we're actually introducing the notion of sparring a little bit earlier with caveats. Okay, all right, they're, 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 you know, it was, um, they weren't allowed to kick. It was body boxing. So you, they've learned jab, cross, and hooks. Um, but they don't think even they did uppercuts, to be fair. But what I'm saying is you've, you, they're, they're now used to that contact, and it's a game at a very earlier stage. So as they go up through the grades, they've already experienced that. And, you, and I think you've all touched on the fact that more people – are engaging in sparring. Um, many, oh, it's probably about two years ago now, Dave. I've known you two years, Dave. That's amazing. All right. You you, you told me about um, culture in the club, okay? Where I came from, my club that I, when I was competing was all about competition, competition, competition. And that was fine. That was the culture. And you know what? People came, people went. It, only a few people could step into that ring and fight. And that will always be the case. Let's not make any bones about that. It takes a special person to climb into a ring and compete. Now, what we've done now, okay, is our culture is very different. It's inclusivity. It's all about, I love it, the fact that we've got a, a, a guy that, that's been training with us for about two years. His 60th birthday uh, happened last night, you know. Um, we've got 50-year-olds. We've got people that have never done any sport ever. And they're talking about coming to squad training. And now that would never have happened if, if we hadn't implemented this sort of stuff. So those are the huge positives. And I think I never thought of what Chris has said. It's quite, it's quite um, uh, a good point. How many of those people, that, that little lad that yesterday sparred for the first time, okay, if we hadn't had this in place, then let's say orange belt, he got smacked in the head or green belt, wherever we used to introduce sparring, and he left. Maybe it's going to be a different story now. How many of those little lads, Jacob is name, how many Jacobs are we going to have that are actually going to go up in a more measured approach? And, you know, we all know that, that, that numbers in, in, in some competitions have really dwindled. Who knows in 10 years' time that this might be much better for our sport. I don't think we'll know yet, but it's a nice notion to have and a nice positive as well. I'd say it's a nice positive to end on as well. We've just done the conclusion from a podcast, Baz, you <laughs> legend. <laughs> what I want to say, because it's been an hour now, what I want to say, guys, is wow. thank you. Thank you for your time. I think we could have probably carried on for another hour. Um, some of us more. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's what's nice is I wanted to share the, you know, both your positives and your negative experiences, just so that people out there can have a more informed view of it. Um, there are going to be people that are going to be listening to this going, oh, it's nonsense. And that's fine. Mm. Um, you know, 
everybody's entitled to their opinion, but I think what we all need to recognize is that change in some form is more than likely coming, whether it's enforced on a mass scale. We've had one association today have already updated their policies and changed a few things around with the wording in there to say that they suggest that kids don't participate in contact sparring with headshots. So if they've done it, others will probably follow suit. What that means for everybody on a wider context is for another discussion, but we need to be mindful that, you know, it, it that changes potentially come in and, you know, that we all have a responsibility in, in the wider scheme. So thank you all for your time. I really appreciated it. Thanks for having us. We'll have to do this again on a different format and a different for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. We yeah, could argue about black belt gradings or come oh, on with yeah, us. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something we need to delve into. Or is that just oh, for let, me and myself? <laughs> anyway, guys, appreciate your time. And um we'll do this again soon sometime. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Take guys. care all. Bye. You're listening to Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. So there we go, guys. Uh, I know this is a seriously divisive subject. I know that there are those people that will be listening in today because they are in agreement with all of this, that they are championing the cause, that they are um, following Gary's work, interested in the developments around this and equally i know that there will be those that are completely against this that are um really 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 against the notion of taking head contact out and then there's me sort of sitting in the middle you know um i'm in the process of looking at all of my policies within my school and it's it's a constantly developing situation now we've We've actually got the uh, BMABA now who have taken a stance on this uh, quite bravely, I would say. And they are suggesting that schools remove head contact for under-18s. At least that's the way that I'm reading the guidance. Um, Obviously, if you want to clarify any of that, you, you go straight to them, have a look at the wording in their documents. But from what I can see, that's the stance that they're taking. Uh, they've also just released uh, a really quite comprehensive um, concussion and head trauma course that you can take. Um, well worth doing, you know, um, if you are already a member of their organization. And this isn't a plug for them, I'm just saying, if you're already a, a member of their organization, um, there's different levels. You know, you can actually do it for free, depending on what level you're on. Or you can pay 20 quid and do it, you know, um, which no pun intended, it is a bit of a no-brainer. Uh, I think you should go and do it. You know, I think it's a good piece of paper to have in your filing cabinet. And, you know, there are some things that you will probably learn from it as well. Even, you know, even me, I like to keep my eye on on the latest updates for policies and procedures and way of doing things. And even I learned a few things from it, things that, you know, I, I maybe got shelved subconsciously, but I hadn't thought about it in a while. Uh, and it prompted me to to take certain action and to, to put things in place. So yeah, um, you know, this podcast today wasn't about which side is right and wrong. It's about, you know, facilitating the conversation. I think, you know, as somebody now who's had, I think I've like 120 podcasts now, you know, um, there are certain subjects that I am quite firmly, you know, for or against. 
Uh, but with this one, I respect the research and I understand the reasonings for, but I also respect that there are those that will feel that it's wrong. Um, and, you know, as we discussed in the interview, it, it will fundamentally change our sports. There's no denying that. Absolutely it will. But on balance, you know, which is better, fighting for the rights or fighting to keep our sport as it is or making some considerations for keeping young people safe? It's it's one that, you know, everybody will have to weigh up themselves individually. Um, as I say, I just want to give the the conversation a platform. And I think that's what we did today. So... Um, you know, feel free to send your feedback in. Again, uh, I just wanted to touch again on what I said earlier on about um, Damien um, very kindly um, letting us use his uh, paid Zoom account. Now, um, I know that occasionally some of you will see me posting links in the group and on the Facebook page as well. Um, but I just wanted to give a quick shout out. Here's the, 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 the quick plug. <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out to our um, supporters and to our partners. So first of all, to mitmaster.com. If you are interested in purchasing any of the Mitmaster content, if you go to the website, kickbackpodcast.com, click the banner at the top, or you can use any of the links that are in the show notes as well. Um, we get a percentage of each sale back, and it doesn't cost you a penny extra. So you can get some of the awesome content there and support the podcast at the same time. Also, our friends over at Art Marshall, if you use the uh, link that is, again, you can go to our website, which is kickbackpodcast.com once more, uh, and there's a banner at the top. You see the Art Marshall banner. You can click that, uh, and the same deal again uh, for every purchase that you make through that link. We get a percentage back, and again, it doesn't cost you a penny more. Now, as a, a new one here, um, we have just connected with Century Martial Arts, um, so they're European, European, if I can say, European branch. Uh, if you are an instructor or school owner and you're buying equipment in bulk, specifically Century uh, equipment, then if you use the promo code Chris10 at checkout, not only do we get 10% of your sale, but you also save 10%. So you're saving yourself 10%. We're getting some money too. You know, uh, so everybody wins. It's a win-win for both sides. So if you need to buy Century gear, use the promo code Chris10 at checkout at Century at Century European website. The link is in the description again in the show notes. And um, yeah, yeah, you're going to be helping me out at the same time. And last but not no means least, our friends over at Marshallytics.com, all things CRM. So if you're uh, wanting to track your students, send them text messages, emails, um, track their attendance, schedule gradings, all that good stuff. Um, that is a fantastic facility, one which I have personally used in my school now for approximately eight years. Um, a really, really good system. Uh, so yeah, hook the, uh, go speak to those guys if you're interested in that. Again, all the links for everything I've just said are in the show notes, and I also post them in the groups as well. Uh, the reason I've just given that an extra bit of time, a little bit of a plug today is it's relevant for what we've done today you know um if we can get enough sales going through those affiliate links and through those various uh offers with the the promo codes then i can have a paid zoom account that's running all of the time um it's only i think it's about 15 quid a month or something but that money has to come from somewhere um you know and if we can support it with the podcast for the podcast then that would be brilliant you know um so get on board with that Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with my little plug there at the end as well. Um, 
I did it in one take as well, which is quite impressive for me. Normally I have to pause and do that at least once. I didn't have it actually written down. When I say once, I mean once for each one and start again for each time. But yeah, didn't even have to have it written down. Just did it from brain. That's pretty good for me. <laughs> All things considered, what I mentioned in the uh, in the interview today. But yeah, if you've got any feedback on what we've discussed, if you've got anything you'd like to add to it, um, feel feel free to comment on the uh, post in the Facebook group. If you're interested in getting into the Facebook group, uh, what I'll also do is post the link to the private group in the show notes. So there's going to be a hell of a lot to look through in the show notes today. But um, you'll be able to get in there. It's a private group, so you'll have to apply to enter. Um, unless you're, you've had an issue with me in the past, uh, there's no reason why I won't let you in. Um, but um, yeah, go go and request to be added there. I keep it private just so that we can keep people from joining in to, to post constant rubbish all the time and um, you know, just to snipe at things. And, 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 if, and, if, and if anybody's being a little bit obtuse or a pain in the ass, I can just kick them out. Um, which is it's not something I've had to do yet. I've come close a couple of times, but um, I've not had to do it yet. But yeah, you can go in there, join the... If you look for the, this episode, there'll be a thread for this episode. You can put your comments in there. Or alternatively, you can send an email through the website. So if you go to kickbackpodcast.com, you can, you can send us some information. Anything that you're wanting to add over there. So thank you guys. Um, you know, a bit of an intense one today. A little bit less lighthearted than usual, but you know, a, a conversation which I feel is important. Um, but yeah, thanks again. Looking forward to catching up with you all again soon. Uh, we'll be back with our match at episode next Tuesday. And um, yeah, speak to you soon, guys. Brought to you by Martialytics. Easy to use, super powerful management software for your martial arts school.